Welcome back to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. Jonathan here. We have a, we have a Henrik back in the studio. Yes, I'm very happy to be back. Yeah. Yes. Always a delight. And speaking of back, one of the songs we're going to talk about today. We are back is, in the village. Yes, we're back in the village. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us are back in the village. Yes. Yep. In our digital little village up in the in the ether and. Um, this is the song we're going to discuss today. It's the first song on B, and we're on a new letter as well. Yeah, very exciting. Which would be mm -hmm. Back in the Village of, of Power Slave. And the first and my song... My immediate thought... The first song on the B side, and my immediate yeah. thought was that me and Eric, we've been on Power Slave a bit already. We've discussed that album, like the overall feel of it, etc., in uh, Two Minutes to Midnight and ASSI. Mm -hmm. But uh, we haven't really heard your first experiences of this album, Henrik. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an album that I got relatively late. I think I actually got that one after I had uh, Somewhere in Time. But I had the songs from Love After Death, of course. And when I heard it, I was very surprised that they had these quick songs that weren't played, like Flash of the Blade and Back mm. in the Village. And um, no, I mean, it's, it's an album that it's never been one that I have listened to a lot, I would say. I'd listened to it consistently through the years, but never binged listened to it. Mm -hmm. mm. And do you remember the first time hearing it and your immediate reaction? Or is that like too long ago? Or it's, very long, it's very long ago, but I can make something up on the spot, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, but I, th I think, uh, I remember thinking that ACSI was a bit too slow because it's a bit faster on the uh, Live, live album. So when Back in the Village right. came on, on side B, it was more like, yeah, this is the energy I was expecting. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, it's a very energetic song. And yeah. as far as I know, Maiden hardly played it live, if ever. No, they've never done it. According to, yeah. I'm just checking it out now, they've never, there's three songs on that album they haven't played live, and that's Flash of the Blade, The Duelist, and Back in the Village. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. The, all mm -hmm. the middle deep cuts there, no. and uh, that's uh, a lot of minutes, a lot of songs that never played live. I know that Adrian picked this song up in his solo project. Yeah, he had this band called the Un in Untouchables. That yeah, was the name the Untouchables. Mm. I think with American musicians, I'm not sure on that one, but I don't really they remember. Did, they yeah. did. They did pull out uh, back in Village, and mm. I've seen a couple of live clips with this outfit, but uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen any live clip of them playing this particular no. tune. No, but they did bring it out because it's it is an Adrian song. Mm. Uh, we could address that right now, and I think that's fairly easy to hear, at least for me uh, as a guitarist. Definitely, he likes to be in these kind of modes. It it goes in this Dorian mode, to sort of geek out a little bit on it, which is a, a, a different flavor of minor, you could say, a little bit more southern rock flavor, a little bit more Santana flavored uh, way of playing minor. But the song obviously is very fast and. Uh, yeah, somewhat aggressive, but also somewhat comedic. Or what would you guys say? Um, I, I'd say that the the the, the, uh, the intro riff is is very in, in the same kind of vein as Two Minutes to Midnight. Sort of, it's very kind of hard rock rather than more than heavy metal, and that that obviously sounds you know it's a very typical Adrian kind of uh, thing. I, I'm not sure about the comedic bit, but I it but also the, the lyrics are. I I recently saw people discussing this in a. Iron Maiden group of Facebook, and I think I think you, Henrik, were involved in that discussion too. But yeah. the, the the lyrics, if you don't really know what it's about, they can be kind of weird. It's essentially it's about it's a reference to uh, the TV show The Prisoner. It tested it's a continuation of the song The Prisoner, correct? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. There's lo there's loads of references in the lyrics. Well, not loads of, but I think a couple of or three or something like that. And uh, but the lyrics as a whole don't really make much sense to me. I don't really know. I don't really understand how it ties into the prisoner team. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen enough of the prisoner to uh, to know. Mm. No, I mean, I'm sure it does. It's some, I mean, again, I don't. Uh, my, my primary contact with that 
TV series is via you know Iron Maiden more so. And yeah. I've I've seen a couple episodes, but not enough to know you know to know you know what the what the references here are. Yeah, I mean, I could venture guess and think that maybe they didn't really put that much effort in in really like depicting a certain part of the show. Rather, they would just go into that universe and pick some cool words from it. And, and that uh, and that was pretty much my my idea of maybe how it came about, which is quite atypical to Iron Maiden at that time because it tended to be a lot more concise when yeah. they made wrote lyrics and stuff. But I mean, it's got all these. I mean, the village is obviously the village that. Patrick McGowan, the, the, the character, uh, is trapped in, so yeah. to speak. And and then we have uh, the bit in that last really weird bridge, I don't have a number, I'm a name. And yeah. uh, it, there's another bridge. Uh, help me here. I'll see if I get the lyrics Questions out. are a burden and answers are prison to, them, to oneself. That's also out of That's the That's kind of the pre-chorus, so. isn't it? Uh, yeah. There's a pre-chorus effect yeah. to it. But uh, mm. yeah, now it comes off as if I don't like this song. I'm saying comedic and that <laughs> slab the lyrics together. I have to be clear that I, I really love Back in the Village. I think it's a great song and maybe one of the main maiden deep cuts of this era, I would say. Mm. Uh, one of those slight fan favorites, you know, if you're really into this band, you've probably at one time or another been rocking out to this song. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah, definitely. And it's quite interesting because it's got a second riff within the first riff. I mean... You have the the intro riff, and then when the drums and stuff kick in, you have this different riff, right? And then it goes back to the first riff again, which is quite unusual, I think, for a maiden. You, you mean this kind of? Yeah. That one. Yeah. It's very fun to play. Mm. Uh, I play a lot of my other shows, so I'm not going to do that too much here. But <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, mm. it's it's fun when to have these kind of. Uh, pull-offy things uh, even if for non-guitarists i think that riff sounds just fun yeah, yeah. and energetic right it has an energy to it like it's sparkling a little bit or maybe like um you could say uh, thunderstruck on on amphetamine or something you know yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, even yeah. more even more thunders or not thunders maybe but more electric than thunderstruck some, mm. somehow yeah definitely yeah that, that's a fair yeah assist. definitely mm. it's really just listen to I listen to it quite a bit today because i need to sort of refresh my memory and it's it's so weird they haven't played this one, uh, you know, or at least they didn't play it back way back when because it's 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 I think it would be great live. Yeah, mm. Do you have any theories as to why they haven't played it? Mm. It's a very difficult one. I don't know if it's if it was difficult to pull off or if they had just they had enough songs to play from Power Slave when they did the tour. I mean, they wanted to play the epics from it, and that took up quite a big bit of the set, and then. Maybe they yeah. felt it was just enough. But then it's weird that they played Lost for Words in the UK or in Europe and yeah. instead of playing Back in the Village or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I think uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a matter of songwriting as well. Like they yeah. already played Two Minutes, they played Flight of Icarus. Uh, mm. I don't think they played The Prisoner around this time, but they still played a couple of like Smith songs. And maybe mm. Harris wanted to fill the set with his, like, his epic songs and... Uh, you know, the classics or, yeah, we can only guess, right? Yeah. Mm. But it would be fun if they brought this out now. It definitely. A lot of people would be very happy and somewhat impressed if they actually did it. But again, we come back to this all the time in Made in A to Z that they hardly do. They hardly bring out songs from an album that were not featured on that album's tour cycle. No, they never, almost never do, yeah. They have never, that have never happened, if I'm correct. Yeah. And I think that's maybe peace of mind, no pun intended for 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 the band. You know, yeah. That, mm. You know, they know which songs they bring forward forward into their live, uh, yeah. the live version of the band, right? And they mm. know which songs they have left back as album versions, something mm. like that. Anyway, that's my theory. Mm. I, was, I imagine. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no. Go on, Eric. I was going to say that. I was thinking uh, probably a lot of it has to do with. Uh, maybe not so much songwriting, but also just the fact that since they were playing Ryan Village and Mariner on that tour, that you know that song is like about what's that about like fourteen minutes, so it's, it's like three and a half songs in one that they have to learn lengthwise, mm. and maybe they yeah. just figured that was enough from that because you know you know because yeah. they want to do mm. some of the other stuff as well because um, they did right. yeah so that that could be it too. But you never know with Maiden, right? Sometimes I, th- I think they could just sneakingly know how to play it quite a few songs but just decide on, on other merit that they're not going to play them live but i think the theory probably holds more ground than mine yeah but, yeah case. yeah but i think it sounds reasonable that there was 
quite a lot of Power Slave to be played at the album yeah. already. So yeah, mm. and all those four songs I've seen live, and I mean I started seeing them in the two thousands, right? Mm. So they, they, those four songs are like heavily featured. And we're of course, of course, talking about uh, two minutes, Aces High, Power Slave, and Rhyme, right? Mm. Yeah. They are very featured. They've been yeah. played a lot over the years. So I think maybe it's just, you know, the power slave quota, so to speak, is, is has been full. Yeah. I and think so. I mean, yeah. A lot of us would love to see those three songs that mm. they don't play of this album. And if I listen to the album, they're probably the ones the ones that I tend to focus on. Yeah. Because they are less featured. Mm. I think it's a very interesting thing with Back in the Village. If we if we go back to who's written it, it's a Smith Dickinson song. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's sort of the, I'm not going to call it the theory, but it's a loose thought I've had about songs in the 80s where, where Steve was not involved in writing them. He always came up with a lot more creative bass stuff on them. Yeah, you, right. you mentioned that before, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mentioned that in, in two minutes. Uh, I'm going to let you continue, sorry. But I yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. that in, in two minutes that uh, he always plays at the very top of his game in songs that are not his songs. Yeah. I think he really hones in on being a bass player. Mm. And that's very impressive to me. I like that because being the main songwriter and band leader to just kind of step back and be an instrumentalist for, for songs that he was not involved in writing, I think it's a, a good thing on Steve. Yeah, it's very interesting. But when it comes to Back in the Village, the only place where I really hear that is in that weird last mid-late thing or whatever you're going to call it. But still we walk into the valley yeah. thing where he goes mm. to do... Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he's not really all over the fretboard as he is in Two Minutes to Midnight or in Wasted Years, right. well, the intro bits or Stranger in Strange Land. It's so much guitars. That's yeah. the thing, I, I guess. It's a very saturated song on a quite saturated album. I mm. mean, all three albums, the, the two albums uh, after this one are also saturated. Yeah. But this one has is the first Maiden that is really like fully you know, full HD color or whatever you want to say. Like, it's mm. a lot of detail in it. And this song has... A very cool middle part as well that I might cut in here for the listeners uh, with the kind of harmony going on uh, extendedly and then uh, with the solos back and forth. Yeah. Mm. The really, really cool middle part. And the middle part's got a thing that I, I know I reacted to when I heard Moonchild for the first time. It got to do right thing. And in Moonchild, it's echoed, but they do the uh, tritone thing interval right. there when they do it. So, I mean, And it's a yeah. Smith song as well, so I guess it's a sort of gest- musical gesture he, yeah. Yeah. he likes. It's a very muscular move, I think. Mm, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I remember the first couple times I heard it, when I heard it the first you know, way back, you know, when I heard it the first time, I didn't like it at first. It took me a couple of listens before I really got into it. Uh, Same here. But uh, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, now, um, a lot of times I gravitate more to that than I would like when I, if, if I'm going to put on a song, it's more often to be that rather than say Aces High or Two Minutes because I've heard the, them so many times where I haven't, you know, but you know, this, this is, since it's kind of a deep, you know, deep cut, you don't, you're not mm. exposed to it quite as much. Um, yeah, but I, I uh, yeah, I really, I, uh, I really dig it. But like I said, I just if I was going to go back to lyrics, uh, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what song it was. But there's another example fairly recently. I heard, I saw people discussing, trying to analyze lyrics about something, and they had the, these deep thoughts. And then the answer was, I, again, I don't remember what song it was, but it was, but the answer was like, well, no, I mean, he he got that from a, it's it's inspired by a movie. You know, that's all there is to it, really. Like for instance, there's you know, there's. I'm sure if we were all very familiar with The Prisoner, these lyrics would make perfect sense. But since it's such an old series, I don't know that anyone really, you know, in our age group is going to necessarily know very much about it. I think sometimes the explanations are a lot easier when just like, well, he saw a movie and that's how he wrote the song. Yeah, uh, that, yeah and often, often it's quite loosely based. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're going to get to those songs, but Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, people have read the novel, or I don't know if it's a novel or a, or a short story. But people have read it, and uh, and they say that it's very loosely based. Yeah, it's, it's not. Li- he hasn't really been like going back and forth between his lyric sheets and and the original. He's just kind of you know read it so, or saw it. It was a film too. Yeah, and then uh, you know just use some some terminology. Just use it for for the lyrics. Yeah, really. yeah. I mean, it's in- inspiration, and then sort of his own take on the theme or whatever. 
I guess. A really, really good drum sound on Power Slave. We've been addressing that over and over. Yeah. But it's worth addressing. Like it mm. really, really sounds good. And the way he comes in in the beginning. Yeah, it's really good. Together with Steve, as usual. Mm. You know, mm. Very energetic song. Very good. Now, would you guys put this on the list? That's a very good question. Um, for, for me, it's going to be a yes for now, uh, but it's no guarantee. I, I was thinking about this list the other day, and I thought that probably for me, Aces High is even like troubling <laughs> to put on the 50 list in the end, but we're still on the Bs, so as for now, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I don't, I don't think so, actually, because I know there's a lot of songs coming that yeah. will have to fit on there. Well, the way, the way, the way, luckily the way it'll work is when we're, when we're done with all them all, we can go through them again. And then, you know, we might, we might vote some off along the, along the mm. way back. So I'm going to say yes for the time being, but I, you know, with, I might change my mind. Uh, mm. it, yeah, we haven't been, been too strict about the rules, but I thought that we're going to just fill it in until there's 50 on there. And when there's 50, we're going to have to take one away to put one in. Yes. That makes yeah, more sense. That's, that's that, an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. So it'd be kind of a survivor, and that makes sense because then you'll have to say that, okay, you know, let's imagine 50 weeks from now, and we're, we're trying to put a song on there, and it's like, okay, is it better than the the song you find worst on on the list as is? Mm. Something like that. But yeah, now there's plenty of room, so let's put it in there for now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. It's gonna remain a deep cut, I think. Yeah, and uh, as far as this episode goes, the next song is maybe a little bit less of a deep cut, it was, a bit more of a feature featured song. It was a single, uh, a single uh, mm-hmm. live opener for a while, but not for too long. And I don't think they've played it again since. But uh, mm-hmm. of course, we're talking about "Be Quick or Be Dead." Yes, yes. First song on Power. Slave. No, oh. no, <laughs> not no. on Power. Slave. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stuck on that one. First song on Fear of the Dark, obviously. Yeah. And this, uh, I'd like to ask Henrik on this one because you must have been around, right, when when this kind of surfaced. Yeah, it was. Fan, that is, I mean, we were all around, but yeah, I was even more around, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised actually with this song because it had a lot more intensity and edge to it in a way that I felt. You know, you never really knew where Armin were going to go, and you had Metallica doing their stuff at the, at the late 80s and stuff, and thrash metal was coming, and was Armin going to sound like Hooks in You, or were they going to do something new? And then mm. this song came as the first single, and I was... I really liked the energy of it. And it, it's quite different to be a Maiden song in in its, in its the uh, layout. What, what, what do you call it? In the, the order of yeah. the items in it. Arrangement, so structure, arrangement, structure, yeah. and arrangement, structure yeah. and arrangement. Yeah, a little bit uh, different. And uh, but I like it. I think it's a really good song. Me too. Me too. I think it's notable that this is the first entry of Janet uh, Gears as a yeah. songwriter as well uh, it, in the band's discography. Yeah, and that was a very poignant thing, I think, because I I really liked it. Yeah, okay, this is this is what it's going to sound like when he's writing songs. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard and fast. Yeah. Energetic. Uh, I, I got like a clip on on the song, but maybe Eric wants to chime in first with some immediate thoughts on the one. Well, I, I initially heard this um, because it was uh, a lot of the songs from that era I heard first time on. I think it was actually on MTV's website because they had they had music videos there uh, way back when. Not the entire videos, just bits of them. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a lot faster and harder than stuff I heard on the other Maiden stuff I was aware of. But it sounds a little different, so I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't. Um, I don't remember my my initial uh, feelings, other than that it sounded different. Um, yeah. But I've always mm-hmm. wanted to hear it live. I thought I, thought, I was hoping they were going to do it a few years ago, but that didn't that didn't happen. Unfortunately, right. Yeah. right. Mm. That would have been cool. Mm. So uh, yeah, just to I guess to get in on topic, here's a little bit on on that song mm. from um, from this. Um, it's actually from MTV Headbangers Ball. The last record we did, um, No Prayer for the Dying, uh, was done in this same barn, except at that time it was still a barn, and we used a mobile uh, recording studio to, to record it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, it was done very quickly, um, and I think 
we might have got carried away with the enthusiasm. I think there's tons of energy on the record, but some of the sonic quality is a bit agricultural, shall we say, every now and again. Uh, it doesn't mean that I think we, we regret doing it, because I think it was the right thing to do at the time. And we, we went out and did a tour where it was just sort of like T-shirt and jeans and, you know, no huge stage sets, and we just stripped everything down and said, let's get back to bare bones. This one, we're trying to put some a bit more muscle on those bones and to that uh, end we've built a complete recording studio with digital and new desks and all the best gear on the planet and we've spent a lot longer um, getting sounds that we think match up to the power of the songs and the power of the riffs things like that i think that's one one reason perhaps why um, sometimes some people have been a bit loath to play us on the radio every now and again, is that uh, perhaps certain ones of the teams don't sound as good on the radio as they could do, um, which is not saying that we're, going, we're trying to make radio-type music, uh, not, not with uh, an album type like Fear of the Dark and uh, uh, songs like Be Quick or Be Dead, which is the first single. It's not quite a speed metal or a thrash metal track, but it's, it's, it's a, a pretty up-tempo sort of song. And uh, it hasn't got any, uh, and there's not a lush harmony in sight, you know. And it's also, it's fairly, the lyrics are um, fairly explicit about, uh, you know, fat capitalist bastards, you know, <laughs> ripping everybody off, like the Robert Maxwells and all those sorts of people. Um, it's be quick or be dead, it's, which is it's actually not a reference to him dying, but it's uh, it's more a reference to the state that uh, what a rotten sort of thing it must be to be, you know, sixteen or seventeen right now. I was seventeen then. A, a world oh. <laughs> seems to be stuck in permanent depression and recession and all the rest of it, um, with all the uncertainties that's going on, and there just seems to be a, a lot of fat men with big cigars getting away with criminal acts and getting shoved in jail for six months and having their wrists slapped, you know. And uh, I think a lot of kids must be thinking, you know, well, you know, th 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 there has to be a way out of this. And uh, the song is sort of saying, well, the way out of it is that you've got to sort of think quick on your feet and be smarter than these people if you're going to swim in the same river. And... Uh, if you want to get your own ideas and your own ideals and your own things across, you've got to be able to beat them at their own game um, and be, be just be better at it than they are in order to do good stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Quite a bit of mm -hmm. info from, yeah. from Bruce there uh, first about uh, how they kind of developed the the production ideas from No Prayer to Fear of the Dark and then obviously on, on the lyric matter of yeah. Mm. Do you have any immediate uh, reactions to, to this? It's interesting how he says, and there's not a lush harmony in sight, just before right. they switch solos in the song, where they actually do a harmony, and that's the only place on the entire album. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one in Afraid to Strangers as well, there's a harmony. Where's the harmony in that one? I thought it played in Unition. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but maybe it was fifths uh, or or a mix. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, there's there is a little bit of harmony on okay, the album, yeah. but very little. I, I mean, it's a bit of a problem with '90s Maiden for many fans mm. that there are way less harmonies. There maybe was a, something with Smith out, maybe. There was a discussion about this, and Adrian was mentioned, and I think it's just a matter of Adrian and Bruce being guys who want. I mean, Bruce made loads of uh, harmonies and overdubs to his singing in the '80s mm. and yes. and stuff, and Adrian was always, of course, very meticulous with the guitars and the playing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when he, they both left, that all stopped. 
Yeah. Uh, which is really weird. And when they came back, I think maybe they thought they were too grown up to fight about it. So nothing happened. I don't know. Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, way less now. And yeah. also like the 80s were like a, a time for Lush Harmonies in a way. And then the 90s come and even Maiden changed their sound a little bit to try and fit in with the new times. And Yeah, but I'm sure... About this. I'm sure there's a lot of songs that would be a lot more maiden and a lot more striking, and I think better if they actually used the harmonies. Right. Yeah, definitely. W- would have used them or would use them. Yeah. I mean, they 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 talked so much about it when they got back together in '99 and with Adrian and Bruce, and oh, we're three guitarists, we can do all this stuff, and they have never really exploited it or no, used they, it. They dipped their toes in it. Songs like Brave New World have a triple harmony. Uh, it happens now and then, but then again, it happened already on Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Exactly, or in Where Eagles Dare, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, they added a, a third harmony or whatever. Yep. Mm. And uh, yeah, speaking of the lyrics, uh, he's, t- he's talking about fat men with cigars ruining yeah. everything, and it, that, that hasn't really changed a lot, has it? Not really, no. <laughs> Not really? <laughs> <laughs> Getting away with whatever, yeah. and, you know. It, it could add or- orange men with wigs. Yeah, yeah. Add, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd fit in in the in the big quicker yeah. thematic for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, he was pretty. He was pretty. Uh, he was pretty infamous or famous even even back then. So it's it's not entirely impossible sure. that this has some degree. This might even to some degree, maybe not specifically to be just about him, but he's uh, he's definitely in there somewhere. I imagine because he he was he's definitely he's in the ivory towers. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. With his with his bellies and the gravy and and it's, some of his bodies are definitely directly linked. The idea of this song. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, the lyrics are typical Bruce when he's 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 very, you know, aggressively attacking something. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Two Minutes to Midnight is like that. Holy Smoke is like that. And this one as well. I think it's, they're really good because they're, I mean, the serpent is crawling inside of your ear. I mean, going back mm-hmm. to the Bible and stuff. And right. he says you must vote for what you want to hear. It's, I, th- I think it's, it's very telling in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's a good song, uh, musically as well. I love how the intro kicks off with uh, 15 hits on the snare drum. With the snare drum, yeah. Yeah, mm. 15, eight notes. So they start, as Maiden often does, on the last eight notes of the bar before what mm. would be imagined as the first bar to get that Maiden groove and hang yeah. to it. Mm. But in a faster version, and uh, the main riff is an uh, absolute killer riff. I love playing it. It's in G minor as well, which is not quite common for the other guitarists, uh, yeah. but quite common for Yannick Gers. He likes mm. to write in G minor. And that may be linked to him being a huge Richie Blackmore fan. I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Richie mm. Blackmore is often in, in G minor as well in his rockers. Mm. Um, so yeah, good song. The, uh, the, the, the main riff is kind of reminds me a few years later, quite a few, I mean, quite a, I mean, I guess like 10 years later, maybe. They did a song called uh, Montsegur, which also is an Yannick song. Yannick song. And that has a kind of similar feel to the riff. It's a kind of very, a lot of pull-ons and pull-offs. Kind of, so, yeah. And heavy. Yeah. Mm. Is that, is that, is that in G as well? It might be. I don't know. I haven't played it quite yeah, a while. I, I recall mm. it might be an E, actually, but yeah. uh, similar vibe for sure. Yeah. And uh, just Yannick uh, brings you heavy, baby. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of his it's kind of his thing, you know, and I, mm. I like that. I like that he does that because he doesn't do it in a way that, you know, it's not trying to be heavy and mean. You can hear that he, quite sincerely, that's the kind of riff he would come up with yeah. when he plugs his strat in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cool to hear him active on an album. I mean, arguably, maybe he was part of bringing it order to the slaughter in a way. I think he mm. may have been part of harmonizing it, but he's not credited no. on it. No. So this is his first credit in Our Maiden, and what a good way to, to kick in into the album, mm. into, into the band as a songwriter. Yeah, it is, definitely. With uh, Perfectly combined with Bruce's, as you addressed, harsh and uh, attacking lyrics. Mm. They really come together, and ever since the first time I've, I've heard this song, it's been there. Like, it hasn't really, I haven't wavered on this one. I'm not sick of it because it's not that featured. So it's always kind of, you know, it's one of my favorites for sure yeah. on Fear of the Dark. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's the favorite on Fear of the Dark, but that's, I'm not going to go into that, but it's definitely my favorite on Fear of the Dark, but it's, that's quite easy in my book. So It's not their strongest mm. album as a whole. No, I, really I think, think it's, it's a very, 
I mean, I can I can say di- diverse if I want to be diplomatic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been on this album a little bit. We've been on the apparition, which is definitely ill-advised. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but also Fritz Strangers, one of my all-time mm. favorite songs. So you have that one. You have Judas My Guide, which I think is killer. And uh, the title track is good, uh, even though it's kind of their stairway to heaven, right? Mm, well, it definitely is. Then you, got, then you got things like Weekend Warrior, which also perhaps were slightly ill-advised. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. No, it's terrible. No, but no, I mean, the thing is, like, it, it's fine, it should, but it, should, it sounds like a Tattooed Millionaire song. It doesn't sound like an Iron Maiden song. It's very Tattooed Millionaire in that sense. I've never thought about that, but it's totally Tattooed Millionaire. And it's not even a Bruce song. No. <laughs> no. The <laughs> word that comes to mind for me is that they, it's a bit of an identity crisis going on here in Iron Maiden. Would you agree with that? I think they would. I think they would agree with it. I think the band would Definitely. agree with it. Yeah, feels like they don't really know who they are. They're trying to figure out what is this band gonna be in the nineties. Exactly. I think actually Bruce mentioned that in an interview we did with him in the mid nineties that he was with Fear the Dog. They were trying to recapture something. I mean, I guess from the not from the eighties or or something from the eighties or anything like that. I don't know. Mm. And uh, I'm not quite sure how this recapturing, how it worked, because it doesn't really sound much, you know, old maiden. It just sounds very, very disparate in a way. Yes. They have this ACDC vibe in a few of the songs. You talked about Wicked Warrior. You also have From Here to Eternity, which is not one of my favorites at all. No. Uh, Chains of Misery has this hair metal quality to it. you know, a lot of songs that we'll get into and dive deeper into as we go and get along yeah. with this with this pod. But yeah, yeah, Eric, but, do you have anything no, on well, uh, on this well, identity crisis? I, I'd say that in uh, a sure sign that a band has not gone back to their old sound and not gone back to their roots is when they point out that they've gone back to their roots, because that usually never means that. <laughs> right. Good. Good point. <laughs> and they did not do that here either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their age at the time, not very old, really. Like uh, uh, about my current age, uh, 34. Yeah. yeah. That, 33, mm-hmm. 34. So I guess you still feel like you should be in the game with the kids, right? At this point. Like mm-hmm. you're still, uh, uh, for hopefully, you're still uh, physically able. And uh, you might want to feel like you're still in the team. You're still in the A team, right? You're still kind of spearheading the, the hard rock movement. Well, I, I remember who I was talking. It was probably one of you two guys, but. About the fact that if Adrian and Bruce hadn't left and all that didn't happen, and then they, you know, during that period, I don't think they would have been doing very well either way because there's so much other stuff going on. There's grunge and all that kind of stuff. And what they were doing, you know, arguably, I guess, I don't think, I don't think they, I don't think there was anything they could have done during that era that necessarily would have made a difference. You know, now people can look back and say, well, it's because of Blaze Bailey, the X Factor, and Virtual Eleven weren't that great. I don't know if it would have been a difference if they'd stayed, though, because I think that is just what was going on musically everywhere else maybe didn't really work with what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that changing vocalist would, was actually a good move in that sense, because then they, then they could sort of regroup again when they, in 99, yeah. rather than just being there and not really liking what they're doing and then trying to do something properly or whatever. Yeah. Right. Mm. I think that if they, if they, if they hadn't both left... And done, you know, been gone, then come back. I don't necessarily. They, they, they probably wouldn't be as big as they are right now. I don't even know they'd still be around. Yeah, because, well, that's exactly. Anyone's they guess. Could have crashed and burned. Yeah, they could yeah. have crashed and burned. Uh, definitely, if they tried something that just was, you know, kind of, I don't know, something somewhat more forced. There are mm. parts of '90s Maiden that are forced, however, but they could. It could have been worse. I think it's still yeah. kind of uh, staying true to Maiden uh, as you know. That's kind of the main quality yeah. of this band, right? That they always somehow stay true. But I think I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, maybe it's a hot take, but I think the most Maiden sounding '90s Maiden album would be Virtual Eleven. Actually, I have never thought about it that way. You could be right. I mean, as a whole, yeah, yeah. It, possibly because it's a lot more focused in that sense i don't know yeah very melodic again yeah mm. you have uh, the clansman and things like that obviously it still lacks the uh, the proper harmony work yeah you know as we addressed before yeah. and also nico nico mcbrain is very lazy and kind of out of it on virtual 11 you can tell that he's not happy with the situation the band was in at the time but yeah and the way yeah. they recorded it as well it's just no it's not working no yeah 
we we're, we're gonna get back to that album later. We've yeah. only been on Angel and the Gambler so far, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, th- I think like, we don't get we don't get we don't have too long. Yeah, we're coming up to a couple, not too long. Yeah, uh, we have a couple of them in the seas, right? Uh, Clansman, Comus does amigos. Yes, yeah, those two. Mm. I actually like those, so that's 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 fun. On Be Quick or Be Dead, this is a song that has been featured live, but not a lot. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's on two live albums, right? So maybe they did it on Fear of the Dark and then also on the tour for a real live one. But I'm not super familiar with how that tour was structured. I only know that they they that- actually did a tour prior to the live album, I think, for the first time. Do you know more, Hendrik? Yeah, I mean, the idea was that they were going to do Fear of the Dark Part 1 and Fear of the Dark Part 2 as tours. And then... Bruce, is, Bruce announced his departure, and that sort of changed the game for, for the idea of the second part of the tour. And that's when they sort of started bringing in all these older tracks into the set list. Be Quick or Be Dead was always there as the, as the opener, so it was basically the Fear of the Dark set, but they mm-hmm. added in Remember Tomorrow, Transylvania, yeah. Where Eagles Dare, Prowler, yeah. So, um, yeah. But Where Eagles Dare was cut after a few gigs, so that's... That's a pity. Yeah, kind of a cool move anyway, and interesting that the, maybe the first time in the band's history that they really did this archaeological It is, uh, yeah. Um, I remember Sorry. Steve saying in interviews that it was, they, they wanted to bring out stuff that Bruce hadn't really sung on, so they mm. would have some kind of registration, I guess, of him, and that's, that's a good idea. What, yeah. What's too bad is that, I mean, uh, we... we um, I mean, when you guys at home are listening to this, it's been quite a while, but we recently, me and Jonathan recently discussed the new uh, Iron Maiden live album, and uh, and we were discussing also, which, you know, we were discussing maybe doing an episode where we, we rank the live albums or something like that, and I'd say, unfortunately, the, the, the ones that were released around that area, you know, like the Donington and the Real Live Dead one, all those, those aren't very good. I mean, he wasn't singing very well back then. Uh, or I feel, I feel like at least one of them is is really bad. It doesn't sound like he's he sounds like he's barely, you know, you know he doesn't really care at that point. And that's also kind of too bad that some of these songs, you know, like there's there's that's why I don't think there's any a really good live version that'd be quicker be dead. Uh, in my yeah. opinion, in my opinion at least. That's, uh, on, yeah, but on, I I yeah. agree with that because I always felt that the fear of the dark, the touring after fear of the dark was quite. I mean, the, as a band, they weren't. They weren't that into it. They weren't that together in a no. weird way. And maybe mm. that's because of Bruce re- not really wanting to be there or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I saw a discussion on this in the, one of the Maiden forums, probably Iron Maiden Nerd Sweden about, or actually maybe Maiden Podden. It doesn't really matter in mm. this case, no. but uh, it was uh, that uh, this was addressing the very final gig of that stretch, which was the Simon Drake show, the yeah. Raising Hell thing. And uh, that they did, in fact, have separate dressing rooms Mm. you know bruce and the band mm. and if you look at this with the facts in hand you can see that they don't meet they don't see eye to eye literally no no, no. Mm. Uh, they don't look at each other on stage uh, so it's like uh, there's this the band and it's bruce it's two different entities mm. and uh, maybe that's not you know not even maybe surely no. yeah. it's not good for a live show definitely and i mean he was i mean that gig came on so late i mean it's late august i think in 93 and they did the last gig of the tour in June or July, I guess. Mm. So it was a very long stretch, and then they had. The, I don't. I, I. don't really know how this came about that they did this thing because it's, it's really weird. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Being Steve Harris and being the one that really wants to keep Maiden, you know, true to his ideas, it's. I find it really weird that he would accept an offer to do a gig with Bruce again if he was sort of on his way out, out of the band. Yeah. yeah. However, they do get to kill Bruce, right? Yeah, they do. They do that. So maybe that's the redeeming point. Well, a strange video, and it was part of my childhood as well. It was mm. my cousin that I addressed, uh, half year younger, that got me into Maiden. He had this on VHS, so we looked at it. And mm. you know, I was never into Illusionist. However, I, I don't like this scene too much. Mm. It's not my scene, let's say. <clears throat> but uh, you know, maybe it's like wrestling. If you love it, you love it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but uh, not for me really. So that's a strange video, but I guess somewhat cool. And uh, same with these live albums. Like uh, I, I agree with Eric, but at this point, they are interesting because they are from a very strange phase of Iron Maiden. Yeah, with songs like Tail Gunner mm. as well that haven't been featured later. Yeah, that's an interesting question. How does because the Quick Will Be Dead must be on the Racing Hell video thing, mm-hmm. or is it released on DVD or is it just a video? Uh, I mean, it's, it's too early to be released on DVD, I guess, but it's... 
it could have been remastered. It's probably been released since then, you know. Uh, yeah, but is it official or is it a bootleg? Or let's see. I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, it's it's quite because we have then three different live versions of Be Quick or Be Dead, basically. Yeah. And it, to my memory, they all sound pretty much the same, and it's it's that sort of same untogetherness in all the songs. Mm. Yeah. In all the versions. It, it it was released in DVD officially later at some point. Yeah, so kind of remastered, right? Yeah. The, uh, that makes sense to do mm. for for the, all the completists out there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought we'd give a quick listen to um, a couple of live versions of it because it's not often uh, one does yeah. listen to this song live. Mm. And I think uh, out of all these songs, it's not one of the worst. Uh, it kind of works, but uh, let's see what we think now. Mm. So I'll, I'm going to begin with the Donington version. So th- this kicks off the entire the entire show, right? Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, what do you think, guys? Yeah, I think it just sounds sounds pretty much like things used to sound back then. And I don't know if it's down to the mix or if it's down to the performance or if it's a combination of the two. Yeah, you could hear that they had a little bit of a struggle to get in groove there in the beginning, but mm. that makes sense also kicking things off with a very direct song like this. But They've done that before. Yeah, yeah. And they've done a, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't love the drum sound on this either. No. It's kind of... Uh, mm. uh, a little bit paperish, uh, the snare. I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't know very much of that is going to actually get in the episode here, but uh, since it was not particularly good quality, but the the Iron Maidens clip you showed you you played earlier, the drum sounded better on that <laughs> almost. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was there was a you know fucking crowd filmed uh, you know iPhone recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good point actually. Uh, yeah, let's check out the the live dead one, live uh, real live one version because yeah. I think. I usually favor that album uh, on if you compare the same songs to mm. Donington. Oh, that's a bit messy. Mm. Not a huge difference there. No. It sounds slightly better in the beginning, but I mean, yeah, slightly better, I think. How much are we going to nerd into this? Because there are three different TV recordings from the Fear of the Dark Show era tours. <laughs> if you can find <laughs> yeah. them on YouTube, I haven't actually checked. Yeah, uh, right. Maybe, maybe we could just add something in afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Add something in afterwards. Do you have anything specific? Do you have anything specific in mind? No, I think you know they, on uh, Buenos Aires '92 and. Uh, I think it's Milan, 92, and then Milan in 93 on the uh, real life. They, actually, they are actually TV broadcasts, and there must be sort of a version of... Since it's the opening song, it must yep. be there. So, Okay, well, maybe one of those should be... Yeah, throw in a bit. If I can yeah. find it. Yeah. I got Osaka 92 here, if that's of any interest. Uh, all right, let's just super quick. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool too. I'm looking at the video. They actually look pretty mm. good here. And they're wild. They're all over the place, all of them. Yannick yeah. mm. is running like a madman. What's yeah. um, In less than a minute, yeah. he's been on everywhere on the stage. In less than a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Checking it out like a cat. 
I like this version. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that the, um, I mean, which is too bad that I don't think they're going to do, obviously, but if they were to do a 30th anniversary tour of this album, this tour, you know, like mm -hmm. they've done sometimes in the past, like, they did, you know, they, they, because it'd be fun to hear these, these this era of Maiden now when they actually kind of, you know, are, are, you know, a little tighter, way tighter and actually kind of, you know, actually want to be mm -hmm. there. Yeah. I, w I right. would love for them to do a 90s retrospective tour. I mean, No Prayer, Fear of the Dark, Virtual Eleven, X Factor. Yeah, that right. They'd be very cool. Yeah. I mean, not they, they shouldn't pay attention to if it was Blaze or Blues era, just 90s and dudes, because yeah. a lot of material is neglected from that era. So Yeah, sure. Mm. It'd be an interesting tour. Yeah. Let's, let's see how they nail the solos here, because they're coming up. Right. It could be interesting. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very energetic Dave. Yeah. Still yeah. young Dave Murray at this time. Yeah. I think a, a good live song actually. It would be cool if they did, uh, as you said, like a 90s. Yeah. Uh, of course they would open with this one, right? I, think. I imagine yeah. so, yeah, they have Definitely, to. Definitely, yeah. Or if they would open with Tailgunner, I would be even more surprised and happy. But yeah. I think right. this, one is a lot, this one is a lot more obvious of an opener. Well, maybe who knows? I mean, you know, you know, maybe if we're if we're lucky, that, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I think that maybe that unfortunately, the odds of that happening now, uh, I probably have shrunk quite a bit. I, not that I think this was something they were planning, but if they were planning it, for, they would obviously do it, you know, on the anniversary, and that'd be you know, two thousand twenty-two. Seeing as yeah. I think there's a chance that th this leg of the this coming upcoming leg might get pushed to that because it doesn't look like things are going to get any better anytime soon. Mm. Probably yeah. at least I imagine at least at least one tour we would have gotten we're not going to get now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had an extensive discussion on this with Maiden Poland, and we kind of tried to really put our minds to it. Well, what, what would they do if they can't do the 2021? Will they still push the legacy to 2022, or will they kind of cut their losses at that point? And, and like, okay, and do we're an not going to be able yeah. to finish mm. this tour and do an album tour mm. 2022. If if that year is possible at the time, we don't know, guys. No. I mean, dear listener, if you're listening in, if you're listening in 2050 at this podcast, oh, yeah. you all have you have the answers. We don't. We're in mm. the middle of a very very stretched up pandemic. What I think, what I think, maybe they're doing. But what I'm guessing, kind of, uh, this is just something I just sort of thought of the other day because one of the the two complaints I've seen about three complaints I've seen about the. The, uh, the new live album is one people complaining about uh, uh, Bruce's voice on some of the songs. The other is people complaining about they haven't gotten their their packages, which is ridiculous because you know the mail is not working at the moment. But the third thing is is well, you know why why is there no DVD? And maybe they don't want to do a DVD because if they can't do the thing next year, maybe they'll do a live stream thing then of that, and that'll be you know like official. Be like yeah, yeah. That that's an interesting point. Yeah. Could be they could just be sneakingly keeping the video footage as well so that they have more things to release you know i mean they this continues they have video i mean the rock in rio gig was recorded so they have video of it yeah so yes mm. yeah, i think they have in-house video as well i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh, i mean they did release flight of icarus for example exactly i'm well, sure they recording is a lot more easier nowadays yeah. so i'm sure they could yeah. do it just to have something. Well, they could do. They could do. They could do a live stream when it happens, and they, you know, and then you could release it on like Blu-ray, and maybe and in countries where stuff is kind of more safe, you can do a very limited, you know, run movie theaters. I'm sure they could do something like that, and that wouldn't, yeah. you know, that, that wouldn't make up for all the, you know, the whole thing because they would. That they're still probably losing quite a bit of money, not being able to tour. That's still, you know, that's still something. I imagine there's also something mm -hmm. for the fans to get to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think for, for us nerds, it's kind of both exciting but also annoying that how much is in these vaults, you know, mm. the Steve Harris Maiden vaults. There must be so many live versions of songs as well from all over the years. Definitely. And, uh, video footage and everything. And I don't know what the plan is. Uh, maybe the plan is that when they retire, they can keep releasing stuff, you know, until they die. I imagine so, yeah. Or until, oh. until Rod Smallwood dies. But, know, I, but I think they could start yesterday and still have plenty of material. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how mm. they operate things, but I'm sure they they have a plan. Yeah, I mean, I think I think yeah, definitely. But um, maybe they'll do like um, uh, like on like for instance, I know that 
Smashing Pumpkins are talking about doing a thing where, you know, they, they, they might have some archive, like stuff from the archives, like their live, old gigs, they might release them, but it would be how, you know, pre-order, so you'd order it, and then they, then they know how, how the big interest is, and then they'll print up the album, so they know how many they're going to be actually selling. So probably very limited runs of, you know, these various gigs, but, you know, there, there's tons of stuff. I mean, they could, like you said, they, yeah. they could do it yesterday, and then, you mm. know, like, I mean, like... Laura, Laura Harris's grandchildren will still be being able to release live albums by Iron Maiden if they want to, you know. Exactly. <laughs> mm. Very true. Yeah, so I guess on that note, uh, we're kind of wrapping yeah. it up for today. Yeah. We've, we've done Back in the Village, we've well, done uh, Be Quick or Be Dead, we w- uh, going into the bees, getting a little bit used to, to this format, I guess. I yeah, me too. Yeah. Now, this song, I'm a, I, I assume that's going on lists, uh, so I'm going to put it on the list. I, I'm, well, it's on the list, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm assuming. Yeah. Same here. Yes, and me too. So it's on the list. There you go. Very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting yeah. when this list is getting crowded to see which songs are going to be off and how we're going to even debate it. Well, I'll say this: at the moment, uh, the way I've done it is, um, I, I have two lists here. The one is the official one that that the listeners have access to. That's released on the uh, web on our, the, the page. And I have it because because you know we've been recording before, uh, you know, we haven't really we're just now starting to release episodes. So as far as they're concerned, there's three songs on the list. As far as for us, we're actually now we got let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine songs so far. Yeah, and we're in, and we're, we're in bees. So at the moment, so we yeah <laughs> yeah well. I mean, someone might suspect that we like this band. Yeah, mm. I think it might be a, might be the case. So, so I imagine that maybe I mean there's there's at least one yeah well we'll see you know we we have, we have a long way to go so we'll yeah yeah mm-hmm. but we interesting so uh, I want to thank you guys listening for sticking around with us for this one two interesting songs I think and uh, hope we're gonna be around for the next couple of songs and actually all of the yeah. songs that we're gonna go through I wanna, let's be completists together yes I want to say that uh, the the feedback because we're just starting to release episodes when you're listening to this or we're, when we're recording this. Um, and the feedback so far has been very nice, so thank you for that. Uh, hope, yeah, thank you. hope you guys keep enjoying it, and we'll keep making them. Right, and stay in touch. Yes, you know, right, because we have infinite energy in terms of discussing this. Definitely, before. definitely. All right, so I'm signing off. And uh, up the irons. Up the irons. Bye bye. <laughs>